Hello, my name is Kevin and I'm Mr. Four. And I'm Michael and I'm an orange rolling away. And welcome to Subtitled Cinema, a podcast dedicated to non-American films. Each week we'll be watching a film from a different country. We invite you to watch it at home so you can follow along. This week, Shoplifters, directed by Hirokazi Kurita, a dramatic exploration of the bonds we form and how we form them, framed through one family struggle to support one another. Shoplifters, huh? Shoplifters, right off the bat. Whoa. Uh, it, this movie was fantastic. It definitely deserved the palm de more. Palm de more. You <laughs> o- almost stole the words verbatim out of my mouth. Canes. <laughs> Canes. You were almost there. <laughs> Look, they nailed it with I, this one. I think this is an appropriate movie that if you were to ask me of what, 2018. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely consider that probably front runner for best movie of that year. You'd have to show me something popping off. Yeah, I don't know what could top this. Like, this feels like a very platonic, very quintessential mm-hmm. best movie of, like, the Cane Festival, best movie of the year. Yeah, I definitely kind of get that sense. You know, quintessential is kind of a good word, where if you're kind of navigating sort of contemporary movies and which one of them are, are like, stand out... This one stands out. This, this one, one was stands out a lot. quite beautiful. Yes. Similar to Faces Places, but in a very different emotional sense, I was left after this movie just in a state where I'm like, let me just like sit with this. Let me just like meet, meditate on what they have shown me and how. Because, whoo! It's definitely a lot to think about throughout it. You know, I felt this just the, the storytelling in and of itself, it was linear, but it, you, you're not told everything kind of as it develops. As it develops and you slowly... Slowly learn more. And you slowly learn more about each character. You know, a paintbrush's strokes new. Uh, there's a better way to wording this. Somehow we're like breaking new ground. Yes. There's <laughs> there's new information revealed based on kind of this almost like cyclical revisiting of different aspects of people's lives. Yes. I thought a, maybe a, a big thematic kind of understanding of these characters was that there could people who do bad things or maybe do things that don't seem bad but the repercussions down the line kind of steam boil steam boil steam steamroll steamroll no not even snowball there we go (laughs) Uh, (laughs) snowball into what bigger effects perhaps yeah you know like uh maybe it's just like shoplifting in and of itself we're like yeah this may seem kind of like an innocent thing to do Mm -hmm. oh it's not you know hasn't been owned by anyone think of it as victimless Yeah, yeah like how the justifications trickle down but at the end of the day right like you're hurting employees you might be hurting businesses you're hurting your own moral code Mm -hmm. i mean what what's to stop someone from shoplifting and then progressively breaking into a car and stealing but you know gucci whatever right by the way sick like that was a cool like good product placement you know not only that like sick grab you know (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i definitely think it's a what are we kind of pushed to like how can we Mm -hmm. survive these very Mm -hmm. tough very perilous situations that we're in and you know it's not always pretty it's not always clean and there's not always these like easy answers yeah that's definitely, I think, uh, that's a very good way of putting it. There's a very humanitarian approach, kind of, to not only all the characters, but kind of their, their but there's a, a massive sympathetic sort of lens that they're all being put through. Yeah. You know, all these characters, I mean, we, we can sit here and say, oh, they're making bad decisions, but like, I don't That'd know. Be very I, simplistic. I did watch them sort of save a child from, you know, being abused. Yeah. I did watch them house these sort of, you know, air quotes, stray children. Um, <laughs> and, and feed them and love them mm. unconditionally and even though they may not be the greatest foster parents and after all well, they ended up like murdering well I, you the, know the crime previous, of passion it's yeah, a little yeah, yeah. whatever we can 
Our past is complex. Even then, though, like even though that was an apparent killing, mm-hmm. it, it's still morally ambiguous. And the fact that we found ourselves in the moral ambiguity of a you know someone being killed definitely goes to show that there's a lot of you know flexible morals being applied here, especially when it's kind of coming out of a state of of need and desperation and or poverty. The way forward isn't so explicitly clear because where we've been and how we've gotten there has taken so many twists and turns. It's not. This isn't some situation where like child protective services can come in and then just kind of solve all of it yeah and we see that very much in the end where yuri lin yeah she like goes back to this very neglectful very abusive household and Mm -hmm. that is i feel like from the perspective of the people who come in to kind of disband this this family unit this group of people yeah i feel like that's a victory in their eyes but us as viewers and them as that group very much understand that it is a failing a failing of the system a failing of those parents to that Mm -hmm. child um, just a failing on a lot of different fronts. And even that, putting it in terms of success and failure, does still feel a little reductionist and simplistic because yeah, there's absolutely. so many other things going on here. But yeah. my point in that is that there's no clear metric uh, yeah. of like how we can come in and like solve all of these problems magically because these are people's lives. Like There's so much going on. And they're all like emotionally complex, you know? Yeah. Um, it's definitely not easy to come up with simple solutions or answers, especially when there's, you know, happiness going on or some sort of success that's being, you know, shared. Right, like, this is obviously not the most ideal circumstance in the world. You have two children not going to school, kind of very much shoplifting, very much breaking the law, but at the same time, it's like this group of people have shown them love, unlike I've seen on screen pretty much ever, of just physical support, emotional support, engaging with these children all the time, teaching them when you can, um, making sure that they're self-sufficient and independent, but not like forcing them to kind of be isolated or alone or anything like that. Yeah, this is definitely probably, this is definitely like the healthiest depiction of a family that I've seen in a movie while simultaneously kind of having some odd undercurrents of this is not necessarily a healthy family. You know, like this is this is a, a, a group of troubled individuals who have you know essentially come, down on their luck yeah uh, have had their their you know work share yes you know they, they're pulling together and they can all be a little bit more poor, but together. You know, right. at least no one's falling through the cracks. They're supporting each other. Right. Nobody's homeless. No one's on the street. And mm-hmm. they are all supporting each other in the ways that they can. And yet, at the same time, again, like we've said, this is not ideal. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing to point to is, you know, that you're kind of raising this kid up on shoplifting. And of course, obviously, here I am raising my nose into an obviously, like, complex situation. But I would want to see this child in school. Right. I'd want to see this child not, like, sleeping in what seems to be a closet. Right. I would like them to have a more prosperous life. And these are gripes that I would more have with his situation. Yes. In a larger context than than with the family. Exactly. None of this is like an implication on him or this group of people. All of these wishes are made with the understanding that in his life, obviously those things aren't a given or they aren't privileges that he has access to. Because if they they were, we wouldn't be wishing for these things. I definitely, there's a lot of class things here, obviously. There's a lot of very proletariat very um, swimmy big swimmy (laughs) big fish but also at the same time kind of a rejection of the value of money as Mm. as something to kind of cling to or hoard instead of instead of kind of this selfish or greedy approach to money money is seen more as kind of like a vehicle for support i suppose yeah Maybe, like, comfort even? No, I like that. Because, you know, I, I think they're definitely not finding their happiness or satisfaction through money. But they're definitely 
pulled, strained, and is made tense because of it. You know, it's a, it's a necessary thing, but it's not necessarily what's, you know, granting them sort of satisfaction. Right. Like, imagine if somehow this group of people just had influx of yen, like, every month, and it was, you know, nobody really looked into the family unit, so they were kind of left on their own. I'm sure these people would have such a great time together, just based on the ways they interact and the ways that they're genuinely interested in each other yeah. and will listen and be attentive to one another. I mean, like you said, this is, like, the healthiest unhealthy family <laughs> I've ever seen, which, like, we're going to recognize trauma that we share we're going to like recognize that we're all vulnerable and you know we're all in very like stressful very contentious very and not to use the same word but very like vulnerable situations you know like we have like an e-girl who's you know maybe not (laughs) loving the sexual (laughs) aspects of her job and like an abused child and a grown woman who was also abused as a child who can very much relate to that and you know that's only unpacking small bits of trauma of like half the family unit here yeah i I like that 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 note of vulnerability with how the film deals with sort of vulnerable topics certain moments that stand out to me yeah are when she's buying clothes in the store and she's like oh "Oh, are you gonna hit me later yeah and then you get that like half second right there's there's a few of those half second moments where you're like what did she say there's some knowing glances shot real fast Mm -hmm. there's some okay let's process this because you've just dropped like a very big bombshell clue into what your life is typically like and it's not pretty the mother and uh the girl kind of sharing their the mark on their arms kind of as an extension of that yeah side to side yeah the burning of her clothes saying Mm -hmm. oh you know a love is something that the child decides who the parents are or just like love doesn't feel like abuse like love doesn't love doesn't hurt like like yeah i really like that line where she's just hugging her she's like if you really love someone you don't hurt them you do this and it's just an embrace yeah. like it's just warm to completely be a party pooper about that one particular <laughs> no, scene please, while it's like, on bring something to it i want to hear <laughs> i remember when the because this is right after they saw on the news that she was kidnapped yes yeah. and like oh the parents were under didn't suspicion report for two months and something like that right clearly but sleazy the scene where they're burning her clothes and they're giving her a haircut i'm like oh yeah they are kidnapping a child yeah well, you yeah know, yeah you know it, it's weird right because symbolically this is kind of lynn abandoning her past for what we are you know kind of led to believe is a better future or you know at least just moving out of an abusive situation transforming her situation exactly this is like a metamorphosis she's like shedding who she was for a better who she is but yes at the same time it's like we're doing this to like evade the police yeah you know because on one hand i was like this is like you know like it's like a symbolic moment but it's also on sort of a, a a practical yeah it's like they're they're kind of burning evidence you know right they're they're sort of shedding these these implicating factors and i i love playing with that duality because it just it really does speak to all these complexities where it's like yes like this is such a warm heartfelt moment that is deeply like alarming from a legal standpoint or from like you know the police or child perspective any of these any of these like kind of bigger services that might come come to impose in their lives and that does later yeah Another moment of such vulnerability, mm-hmm. the beach scene. The ocean, yes. yes. I was thinking the same thing. What a great way to have kind of like the sex talk yeah, without definitely. making it super awkward and uncomfortable and like weird. Yeah. Shoda? Shoda, yeah. Shoda, his entire character and its arc and its so complexity much. was beautiful. I love the fact that he was an angsty kid. He but was angsty, he wasn't but not in a troublesome, bad... you know? Right. He was just like, I'm upset, I don't know how to deal with things. Of course, and it makes so much sense, too. You yeah. know, that's kind of like the only child suddenly gets a yeah. sibling thing where it's like, oh, like, we don't need her. Yeah. In, in a it's movie, like, we all need each other. In a movie that is filled with subtle smiles or what you don't see, you know, like their head is turned and all these tiny little moments that show sort of a piece of a larger picture. One thing that stood out to me was when the, he was caught shoplifting with the little girl. 
and she's like, don't make your sister do it. Yeah. I remember him walking away from that store just only facing forward. You know, the, yes. I, I kind of just read that as like, oh, he's ashamed. Like he has his back turned, in this case, to us, air quotes, mm-hmm. um, the spectator, the viewer, the camera, the of lens, course. the movie. I thought that was kind of in that vein of how are we going to approach this sort of vulnerable thing without forcing a kid to speak dialogue that nobody wants to hear. But instead, just kind of learning a lesson in a very hard, mature way, which is something that he does all throughout the movie. All the time. Yep. It, it is such a brilliant way to convey his turning away from this lifestyle yeah. that eventually accumulates into him jumping off the bridge. Because I definitely see it throughout that. To me, that was kind of like the defining point where he, he kind of had this victimless opinion on shoplifting, you know, nobody owns anything in a store, like, yeah. I'm doing this because of survival, I'm doing this because it's what I'm taught. Yeah. Now, suddenly, you get that shame, you get that disapproval, and that transforms into not being on board at all when his dad figure is robbing the Gucci bag, to, well, now I'm watching my little sister do something that I disapprove of morally, and I don't want her to do this, and I don't want to follow in our footsteps, so I'm going to cause a huge diversion to not only cover for her, but to kind of show her, kind of dissuade her from following the same path is Definitely, how I read yeah. that. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, he certainly fell in the sword in a certain sense because I think he, he was really putting himself out there to protect his sister. I know? thought so too. Yeah. Uh, protect her from the maybe the literal repercussions of shoplifting, but also just from kind of the, the higher, like, don't follow this sort of path. Exactly. Sort of thing. Yeah. Returning to the beach just for a moment. Oh, I, please do. I loved seeing male sexuality being presented in a soft Healthy way. Too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's no, like, oh, I gotta learn a weird lesson. No, it's, it's just like, like I'm a kid. My dad backed me up, and mm-hmm. now I can like go back on the sand and like I enjoy l- boobs or something. Yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. I just <laughs> loved it so much. Where he's like, "Yeah, you do it too," and he's like, "Yeah, all men do it. It's totally normal." And he's like, "I thought I was sick." Yeah, he's like, "No, you're healthy. Like it's it's great. Like yeah. whatever." Moving on, you no, know. I thought it was one of those moments that really add. I mean, that's not the meat of the film. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're watching this character sort of have an arc, and and we're becoming more and more emotionally invested in them but it doesn't really progress the plot it, it's not necessarily like another shoplifting here and then this event this happens. is a this is an exploration of their bond this is yeah. a point on their arc between the two of them within like all of the arcs of all the other relationships and to absolutely get freudian with it don't i think it totally just kind of impacts the sort of father son bond struggle tension that they feel <laughs> later because it's like oh you taught me that my pp was normal <laughs> oh my god you, know. you were kind of like the seminal figure for certain key aspects of myself discovery and now you're like fueling that still but it's it's contentious yes i really think that this was such a brilliant movie of exploring relationships yeah because i mean well think about how many times we get individual interactions and then how many times we go back to kind of like communing with everyone or larger groups like we see the dad and kind of like the mom and we see them rekindle intimacy yeah we see shoda and his little sister all the time we see shoda and the dad we see the e-girl and like the mom we see like grandma one-on-one people we see all the ways we see the e-girl with her sort of mr mr four, four. Yeah, yeah exactly so it's really just like how how are people connecting with each other in all of these different strange and environments especially limited environments i mean you're all living not just in one roof but practically under one in, in one room in one room yeah it was really beautiful the whole time i was really struck by just the ways in which these characters not only have very rich complex relationships with each other but how that bleeds out into the world around them such as the old man shopkeeper who probably always knew they were shoplifting yeah and then finally spoke up because this like kind of corruption of the youth with his little sister all of these things what do you think of the grandmother 
Oh, I loved the grandmother. Her eyes were so good. They were good. Let's dive into like the whole lies thing a little later as we get to later parts of this movie because I don't believe for a moment that she was only using the e-girl for money. Oh, no way. No, was, not at all. Not I, was, at all. I wanted to get into sort of that, that sort of... Aki, I believe is her name. That's e-girl. right. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, because she goes by her sister's name, which is, Sakaya. Yes. I believe, yes. yes. And then her... Yes, 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 yes. Um, a lot of dual names here. Well, Look into you know, the duality, yeah, you know, definitely, definitely. you know, there's kind of a projection of identity. Assumed personhood, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Assumed personhood, yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> well, it is, like, you know, it's becoming someone you're not. It's becoming... Yeah. It's becoming something that's intentionally distanced from your quote-unquote past life, whether that's murdering, like, your lover's ex-lover or, yeah. like, being abandoned in a car, you know, in the backseat of a car like Shoda. So, but yes, to, to get a little more specific, you were saying we want to push towards... Just the how that grandma... That grandma? That grandma, the grandma. How the grandma was receiving, like, finance... Like oh, money from, every month from or whatever. her family. Yeah. So, I, I had to, like, look that up because I was a little sure. confused as to, like, what all the family... Some clarity would definitely help like, here, yeah. yeah. The grandmother's husband had an affair and had sort of a second family. Okay. And that's what that family is. That's, that's the family. It's yeah. the affair family and they're trying to be kind of like as distant as possible at arm's length like here's thirty thousand yen and like like kind of leave us alone like yeah. we're gonna like give you money so that you can like ollie out yeah so you can like like here's a stipend so we okay. don't have to be with you okay okay i think combined with the grandmother's pension i mean that's kind of how they funded everything yeah i was almost off put by the the mother and father's character and their relationship with the grandmother and money and how okay. it seemed kind of ungrateful in a way because they were all sort of living off her pension and whatnot yeah in her own words and then constantly like oh we take care of you and so on and so forth i'm like the grandmother is definitely taking <laughs> she's care putting of it right in now. yeah like 100 that's interesting yeah because that didn't particularly stick out to me but you know going back with retrospect and hindsight it definitely seems perhaps a little unbalanced i mean but at the same time right like they're working very grueling work to also further support this to kind of go with the work share and i remember the father's response is kind of like oh she acts like she earns it but you know she's just getting like a pension check like she doesn't like actually do anything as opposed to like everyone else in the family who very much is like doing stuff yeah but in a way i mean the grandmother's doing her own thing she kind of watches over the kids she that is true shares her pension she yes she shares her home you know And, and she's covering for them you yeah. know, making sure that they don't, like, get discovered, making sure they can't live here. Absolutely. Like, I don't want to diminish the grandma's contributions at all, because they are massive. I love it when she's on the beach, and she's, like, looking yes. out at everyone. <gasps> yeah, okay. Two times we get mouthed words. Number one oh, is yeah. when grandma's on the beach, and she mouths thank you, yeah. which I thought was so sweet. I yeah. was like, this is just delightful. And then the second time. Well, on the bus. Dad. Yeah. yeah. Which is, like, we'll get there in Dude, a second. he's turning behind, but she's looking forward. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh yeah what did you think about the grandma's whole thing where it's like this is my insurance to like not die alone i think she was what was the insurance she like took out an insurance well she i read that more as like a you know like i kind of take care of everyone and like that's my quote-unquote insurance like you know it's not a real insurance but like yeah it's like through this reciprocity you're not all gonna like leave me when i die like we're all kind of be together in my final moment i mean yeah like what you said it's kind of her contribution so that she could be taken care of the financial contributions that she's making to the household that's sort of one way i mean it's not like she is taking more money than she's giving but in a literal sense she needs more help kind of like you know the children who they're not contributing and they need help 
So this is kind of her participation to the household in exchange for, like, this family unit and being looked after. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I think that makes a lot of sense. Kind of not not to put, like, monetary or business-like things, but, you know, exchanging things in this kind of circle where we're all sort of exchanging things. Well, she, I mean, she called it an insurance policy. She did. Call, yeah, she did, like, me uh, want it. And that's, it you know, talking cheap. Right. What did you think about... The father's conversation with the e-girl where he's like, what do you think bonds most people together? And she's like, I think money bonds normal people together. And he goes, well, we're not normal. Did that resonate for you at all? I just That's one of the scenes that stuck out to me. I wanted to like dissect it a bit. So my if in, in my memory, and if this is either incorrect <laughs> recollection or an alternative take, depending on how... Look, you know, we love it all. I thought it was like... My, my first go through at it right. um, and how I received it was... He was sort of, and obviously it ended up being a little bit more, I was wrong, it ended up being a little bit more sincere of a relationship than I sort of had it, like, Then you understood. had, like, thought of it, yeah. yeah. But, you know, he loved her, but she was really more only concerned with kind of having someone who can contribute to the household financially, so she can kind of not only make ends meet for herself, because mm-hmm. I feel at the beginning she's definitely portrayed to be kind of a witchy person. Well, she, she is sort of, you know, off in the back, she's yeah. not sitting with everyone, she's distant she's you know always cracking jokes and taking stabs at at least the father right yeah 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 and so she was just trying to make more ends meet in a more practical way whereas he sort of had this more romantic side to it and he's like oh we love each other even though we don't have sex and it was kind of (laughs) one of those things where it's like oh this isn't as like glamorous as they may want us to think they don't even care to try and make us think but oh that's what makes us special even though nothing makes them special Mm -hmm. but Obviously, as the movie goes on, right, they're definitely special in their own way. Right. So your initial understanding before we get more into their relationship yeah. was that kind of she was more into it for the money, and they were little, maybe a little more distant or a little less intimately involved. Yeah, and, going through the scene the first and time, and not to say that they weren't, you know, a couple, but it, it wasn't like romantic per se. Right. And I think that was so interesting when we like first discussed this scene off the air because. This moment was so illuminating into the relationship for me because you have this discussion, right? Where he's like, we don't have to have sex because we're so connected in our hearts, because we love each other to an extent that we don't like necessarily need to express it physically. And then I, I totally saw it as kind of like a rejection of needing money. Um, because like I said, you know, when Aki is like, well, money bonds people together usually money bonds normal people together and he says we're not normal as in you know we don't need that monetary connection because we have that connection of the heart so almost kind of like a a relationship that transcends money if you will or just just something that doesn't rely on financial support to have support well it's definitely to be supported a sincere you know coupling yeah. You know, they, I think they, especially as the movie lays out, you know, as it progresses, that they definitely, you know, have each other's backs. Absolutely. And I do think they're definitely kind of their own people. You know what I mean? I think there's some individual elements to them. Um, that kind of gets probably exacerbated a little bit more at the end when she goes to prison and they mm-hmm. kind of have that, that moment through the glass where they weren't exactly synced up on everything. Right. But it's a relationship that works in... Given their circumstance, given their lack of money, that's kind of what makes it so special. Is because that they're not in this for the money, because neither of them have it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that was really interesting. That that was just a cool kind of like reading of the scenes, because that's what I pulled out of the first scene. 
And then it sounds like to me like that's what kind of like we pulled out as we like move forward and just saw because I really did love their like rekindling scene. Definitely. Where, you know, she gets fired and then they're like all over each other. And it's like, oh, this is, you know, this is like so youthful again. This could be like careless lovers, which I'm sure they couldn't afford to be because they were both so busy working. Yeah. But when he was like, did you? (laughs) Did you? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Stop. I was like, like, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's your wife. Sorry. No, the kids interrupting like like sexy it's time is quintessential. Oh, yeah, it's like it's up. raining, it's yeah. raining. They're like, what are you doing? It's raining, guys. <laughs> it's raining. Let's go to the map right now. Let's go right now. Leap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, but to pick on what you said a little bit, I definitely do get the sense that these are all individuals, as they are also all kind of a cohesive unit. Yeah, and those two things aren't at odds with each other at all. No. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why we see these different configurations and why that's so powerful because they are all relating to each other differently. But even though it is differently, like the the constant in that is the unconditional love, is the warmth, is the support um, because we never see them drag each other down. Any teasing is that kind of like lighthearted. Like we know each other for so long. We've been like in a relationship this long. I can kind of like push certain buttons and I know it's not a malicious thing yeah as much as it is like a haha like loser <laughs> you know yeah so yeah no, no matter who's interacting it's oh like i love your hair like you're so pretty oh like you've been abused as a child and i'm gonna like love you like finally yeah <laughs> and it's all it's all good so movie progresses things are getting spicy shoto falls off a bridge and this is kind of the culmination again of his turning point away from this lifestyle away from what he sees, the inevitable end of shoplifting, of kind of just moving towards, like, more blatant stealing and these yeah, negative things. And also just kind of, like, an unforeseen repercussion of sort of that, that snowballing that we talked about earlier. Where mm-hmm. it's like, well, you know, you shoplift once or twice, get away with it, whatever. Three or four times, you keep getting away with it. Four or five times, and, worse. you know, eventually you're going to get caught. Something's going to happen. You know, it's not just going to be some old man who's going to offer you candy and ice cream as you get get away from stealing from him and to teach you sort of a lesson, this is a grocery store. One, crazy those two guys chased him down for that long. Oh, yeah. They flanked him, too. You yeah, know? They did. Like, like well, strategy. Like, out of the bridge? Like, whoa. <laughs> he was making up time. He was. He was. Um, but also, when those oranges rolled. Oh, that was, I thought he died. I, I was he like, died I, was, too. I was like, he did not, like, Shota's not dead. But I did have a half thought of, like, was it that far? Like, come on. Oh, my God. <laughs> And I was right. <laughs> so yeah, this is this definitely emphasizes too kind of how perilous the family always was, mm, especially yeah. after you know, especially following the death of the grandmother, where it's like, well, the jig is kind of up. There's only so long until people realize that the grandma's not living alone. Yeah. Until people kind of like find us and we're exposed, and we have to, you know, either just like be on the run or just like who knows, right? Yeah. So the fact that this happens when it does, I think, definitely is just indicative that their system just could not go on forever within their context because their context is not kind of accepting of these wider families, if you will, these families that aren't, like, related by blood. There was always going to be someone trying to wedge them apart. I also... I was really taken aback by just really all the interrogation scenes and how illuminating they were. The confessionals, the confessional confessions were really, really good. Again, if you think these people are bad people, did you just have your eyes closed for the first 90 minutes? don't get that takeaway. You know, these are people trying their best. These are good people. 
However, he, he you did know, like kidnap and like murder. You know, you know they're, they're they're good people, but they seems like they make bad decisions sometimes, and it may be out of sort of a moral gray area, and it may be you know derived out of necessity and and sort of maybe escaping abuse or supporting a household. But these people are, I mean, legally speaking, you know, they got away with killing somebody. They've kidnapped hey, 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 what hey. seems to be two different children. The judge thought it was fine. Okay, self defense. Like they were, they're not guilty. Okay, <laughs> but yes, like and you, you know, know what you mean. And, and I think these are serious. And I'm glad the movie sort of took it serious. You know, when you had like you were falling around child protective services and there's camera crews and stuff. You know, and you saw, saw in the news earlier, but yeah. now you're kind of living with it in real time. Like it's become. You know, tan, you know, tangible. They did kind of. Did, they did, did kidnap someone. Kidnap you know, children. I mean, it, shoplifting is one thing. It, oh, it's not owned by anyone, but these mm-hmm. children are ugh, owned by somebody, right? Yeah. And they were taken away from that ownership or from the protective services from that home based yeah. on people who had quote unquote no right to do so. Even yeah. though, as we know as viewers, they were taking the child into a better situation. Yeah, they were taking her away from abuse and into love. Yeah, but, but you know, also, I mean, in, legally in, into like you know a two by four easy. foot closet, right? Right. You know, exactly away from you know even if she did go to school or anything or you know whatever she had in that life, whatever yeah. privileges she might have had. I, I'm not saying you know leaving this child with these parents is is the moral exactly like projection. No easy answers yeah. still applies, and I, and I think though even the way the movie ends sort of indicates like uh, this is not a good way to end. Like this yeah. is not how this have all worked out. Yeah, um, because her kind of going up a little bit definitely made me think of, of just trying to escape. Like, it yeah. did feel like she wanted to, like, lift herself out of that cage, of that, yeah. like, balcony entrapment and, and go be not there. Yeah. But, yes, yes, there is just, there is this sense that everything gets so convoluted and complicated that the way forward is not as easy as, oh, somebody comes in, intervenes, and makes everything better. Yeah. Because even when with, with Shoda... Who gets to go to school and he's clearly very, very smart and I'm Definitely. sure he's thriving in those environments. He's a very mature yes. child character figure. Absolutely. You know. I'm and I'm so glad, you know, in the context of the movie that he was afforded some of these opportunities. Yes. yes. And yet, you know, at the same time, he does still go back to his father figure and they have this very this very vulnerable, this very emotionally rife moment. I mean, definitely. I mean, I'm thinking about not just their food back and forth, but when they're in the bed together, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Hey, Lying did you back back. leave me?" And uh, he says, "Yeah." Yeah, I think, and I, I think some of this is su- supposed to be left it, up to it's interpretation. Ambiguous. It, yeah, yeah, I think there's sort of directions we're supposed to take it, though, like hints, suggestions. Yeah. Um, like I think, in a way, they were abandoning him. They okay. said, "You know, we cannot be here. The police are going to be looking for us. We need to not be here." And in the scene with Shurikant, they're talking about Shota. Like, all right, he's going to be fed for a day. Yes. So in a way, they had to deal with everyone else. You know, they had other things that they had to deal with, other family members that had to be tended to. Right. And they were trying to salvage everything and then deal with Shota next. But that yes. involves leaving without Shota. For the time being, yes, yes. Like a momentary abandonment. And I read it in the same way, too, in that they never maybe, like, truly, big air quotes there, like, yeah. abandoned him because their intention was always to return to kind of figure it out. Or so we suppose so we suppose again our interpretations like you know please like hit us with yours because this again out of this ambiguity like i'm interested well they were trying to get him at the police station too but then they had to take exactly because you know all the legality issues like are you his dad are you his mom and it's like you know not on paper yeah but yeah i definitely approached this scene of him saying yes as kind of a way to 
push Shota out of the nest yeah. in a way to kind of release Shota from from his bond to his dad from the, from his kind of like old life again like another metamorphosis yeah. in the same way that like Lin kind of goes through where you now have this home you know have school you have all these opportunities stop wasting your time coming back to me who so that we can like fish or talk together like kind of focus on your new life and and moving forward and, and being better and I also think it's consistent with a lot of half truths that are sp- said without uh throughout the movie. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. yeah. You know, you have the, oh, it's not stealing if it hasn't been owned by anyone yet ever right. store. You have when they're burying the grandmother and, and he says, don't tell anyone. Yeah, don't tell anyone. This like, never happened. Yeah. And he, A, receives that like a champion. Yeah. He receives so much like a champ. He's on board with what was said and what wasn't. This is another one of those moments where it's like, did you have enemy? Yes. And I think... He knows he's being told the truth. I think he knows it's a little convoluted. And I think it's one of those half-truths that in this case are, is sort of projecting kind of this, this, like you said, like pushing for the nest. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kind of with, with self-improvement, with betterment always in mind, we may say things or do things that are a little hurtful in the moment, but it is always in your interest. It is always from our perspective, you know, for you. Yeah. And not in the abusive sense where we're going to hit you and say we love you, but in a true sense that we are only concerned with, like, your well-being. Yeah. And so we're going to act in accordance with what we truly believe will position you the best. I think Shoda kind of responds as he does by saying, you know, oh, well, I kind of meant to be get caught or whatever. Right. I think that's a half-truth. A little bit. Um, because he did, you know, very much intentionally cover for his sister. Yes, but, you know, absolutely. Did he, did he made he... a scene and so forth. Exactly, but, like, was he explicitly planning to jump off a bridge like maybe not no he i mean he didn't really expect her to be shoplifting in there to begin with i mean he said wait here right so So we're kind of pushed to these situations and we respond in kind before we get to the very end i also just want to revisit the confessionals very briefly of course because i believe the mother here just did such a phenomenal snatches souls mine in particular snatches souls in an interrogation where they're like you know wouldn't you consider that shoplifting like everyone deserves a mother and that whole conversation we see it peppered throughout the story of like well blood doesn't necessarily mean that much you know just because you gave birth to someone that doesn't automatically make you a mother in the sense that it doesn't make you a nurturing caring supportive individual it makes you a person that gave birth to another person yes that does mean something it's very difficult to give child to make a child. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't absolve you of being an abusive, like, horrible person. Yes, and I like her point about it's up to the child to decide who their parents are. Because that's kind of true. I mean, it's not up for a parent to decide, that's my son or that's my daughter. It's up for the daughter or son to say, you are my father, you are my mother. For, yeah. For that sort of relationship to, to be foundationally strong. Yeah, and it has to it has to be that mutual choice. And I think that's why we see such strength in this family, because they're all choosing each other all the time. There are so many points where they either consider sending Yuri, Yuri, Lynn back, or they ask her to go back on her own, and it's like, no, like she's going to continue to choose us. We're going to continue to not force her to go back to this situation. Yeah. And in all of this, it, it, just exactly what you're saying, you know, we have to choose each other because being forced together doesn't really mean as much. It doesn't really mean anything if... If you have to be family, but it yeah. certainly means a lot if you choose to be family. There's almost a skeptic thought, and it, it's kind of like that undercurrent of like, well, this is a kidnapped child. Right. It's one of those just kind of undercurrenting negatives. Yeah, where what is it? Shoda and, and Lin, it's not exactly like they're choosing their parents. It's, it's 
they're being loved and respected and treated very well. Like, obviously, I can't say that enough. Look at the movie. But they don't have too much agency in and of themselves. Because it's not like they have infinite options here. Exactly. And it, that's, that's you know, one part poverty, two parts being a child, and, you know, it's... All these different things. And then when they get swept up to the system, and still them not ever really being able to exercise their agency until Shota's kind of makes that decision to call call him his father. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So just building on everything we said of choice and of and of and of having a say in the bonds that are so defining in your life Absolutely. and are so monumental. Yes, him turning around, understanding that in a sense they've kind of broken that bond, but I, I mean I think for mutual betterment, not only just the dad kind of pushing Shoda to be better, but Shoda understanding too that by sort of releasing the father from his obligations to him, or... I don't really like that. Kind of just, you know... I, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, right, like, letting the father exist kind of on his own terms, exist past this also. Like, in the same way that he's pushing Shota the future, Shota is also pushing him past this experience and encouraging him also in the same way to be better, and that's why he finally accepts him as dad, because they are both looking out for each other. They're yeah. both looking out for their best interests. There is, I mean, talking about parents being dependent on their children or these parents having sort of an unequal relationship with their children. I mean, uh, the mother couldn't have children of her own and the dad named the son after himself. And right. so I, I think those are valid things to look into. Obviously, in these sort of interrogations that we, we kind of see their past come to light and it obviously colors them far more gray than they were even before. But it's all these moral positives that we kind of empathize with them. We see them as complex humans and totally viable of love and support. But it's kind of that thing, well, on paper, are yeah. you deserving of these children? Yeah, right. And there's no system that's going to be like, oh, we're going to allow this unit to continue. Well, the system in place, obviously, I think left things imperfect. Yes, it did. And that's one of the reasons that I love it so much. You know, as we do with all movies, we're blitzing through so much of this, and there is so much of that depth. And I think one of the biggest strengths of this movie is that none of these factors can be overlooked. Yeah. Because each of them contributes deeply to the character and their motivations and just what they're about. You know, the whole moral compass and everything. Each scene, like you said, maybe might not advance the plot explicitly. Yeah. But it tells us about a character and why they might act or think the way that they do. And in that way, we get just such rich detail of their lives. So yes, in all of this complexity, we have an imperfect ending. We have Shota accepting his father, which has been building the whole time, which I thought was beautiful. And then at this, in this, at the same moment, we have Juri back yeah. in her family, um, still fearful of her mom hitting her. We yeah. get to see that you know I'll buy you new clothes and then gets hit later. Yeah, but she also has a semblance of what love is, you know. Right, she finally she has a model for healthy relationships, and yeah. we see that in her establishing boundaries yeah. in her saying no. In her exercising her agency the best of her ability in what is, again, a very limiting, very difficult situation. But, you know, now now she has a bit more of a map to, once she finally gets out, maybe she can find her way back to what true love and care looks like. Definitely. I think it's a good way to, good way to put it. She has, you know, like you said, a map, you know, a semblance of, of what love is supposed to be. An awareness that goes beyond the abuse that she might otherwise have only known. Yeah. And therefore ways to sort of break that cycle. Ways to, as terrible as it sounds like, endure that trauma until she can finally get into a better situation. This is a very small side note that I just want to throw in here, but I kept waiting in the confessionals for them to be like, jury isn't an abusive household, like, please, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't put her back there. And then no one said it, and I was like, okay, like, I, I get it, you know, yeah. I still get it. Like, this is such a, like... 
weird, like messy situation. Like you yeah. can't just like dump that on their laps because yeah. maybe they wouldn't believe you. But <sighs> what was your favorite scene? My favorite scene. It honestly might be the. I mean, I've talked about snowballing so much. It feels appropriate <laughs> when they're making the snowman. snowman. Yeah. Oh. 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 I'm not your father anymore. Snowman. Yeah. Morning. Oh. It's like we did that. Like, like, how would you say that? Like, why did you leave me? <laughs> I just thought it was gorgeous. Um, it was just a really appropriate ending. I mean, obviously the ending was so complex and heavy. You know, because there's that emotional hope and aspiration in there, but it's also like he accepts him as his dad right when they are officially splitting. It was seemingly indefinitely, and it's like, all right, I'm leaving to go do my own thing, but you'll forever be my father. Yeah, like we're still facing the situation and all of its consequences. That snowman will melt. That snowman will melt, but it's okay because, you know, it'll snow again. No, definitely. The one that just comes to mind to me and the one that I'm going to choose now is definitely on the beach. Yeah. specifically the scene we talked about where it's just we get a very very healthy image of a father and a son in this case you know chosen father chosen son yeah talking about what is so sometimes perilous awkward you know strange uncomfortable and what is handled in such a as you said healthy way yeah it's such a a wonderful yes this is healthy yes this is natural i'm going to continue supporting you even if it is in things that are sometimes you know just taboo or or a little strange. Unknown, convoluted. Unknown. Yeah. yeah, thank you for choosing better words than I could. <laughs> um, and it's just, that is a microcosm of kind of how all of these people band together to lean on one another and to to find happiness and love and care. Yeah. Uh, I think just speaks to all of those things. I'm so glad you chose that scene because I, <laughs> I think about it too, just image on screen. What is an audience being presented? An audience in this case is being presented Something I apparently have just never seen in a movie, which is like... Seriously! Like, I don't know, healthy father-son relationships Yeah, like, how often sexuality. do we get to see, like, these very well-handled yeah. <laughs> that just... This doesn't have to be, like, a cringe moment. This no, can it doesn't. be, like, a, oh, like... In fact, I feel better coming out of this situation. Yeah? Yeah. And then, you know, the grandma looking, being thankful, uh-huh, yeah. and they're all holding hands, jumping over a wave together. Yeah. Like, literally surmounting, like, hurdles, having fun. Everyone pushing each other. Everyone having a great old time. It's just beautiful. All men love boobs. Okay, that is actually, like, not why I chose that scene, <laughs> but okay, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah, we got that just close up on just a <laughs> fucking <laughs> rack. That was fun. Let me say really quick, his hair... Oh, His yeah. hair, like, throughout the whole movie, whoa. He was spiffy. Killer. Killer. And that's a wrap on Shoplifters. Join us next week for Baccarau, a psychedelic thriller about a small Brazilian town and the strange events that plague its residents following the death of their matriarch. Trust me, this one's not going to go where you think it will. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Subtitled Cinema for movie lists, behind-the-scenes content, and other good fun. I'm Cobb Kevin. And I'm Paisen Michael. And thank you for listening. Arigato. Um, what's there's like another one? Tomo. Oh, uh, what? Arigato. Somayas. Tomayas. Did you literally just I'm trying to, my ass? I kind of like I came out, but I'm going for like phonetic words for Japanese <laughs> words I don't know. You know what I mean? You know how to say ice cream in Japanese? Sorry, I'm only fluent I didn't make that up. That's how you say it. Oh, that is how you say that, ice, like, I I you say ice cream. Like, we all scream for ice cream. Ice cream. And I was like, why do you know how to say ice cream ice in Japanese? <laughs>